Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome to this special happy hour episode. We recently did a wonderful Facebook Live event celebrating National Poetry Month, and today we're sharing some of the highlights of that wonderful event. So sit back and enjoy. Well, welcome everyone. This is our celebration of National Poetry Month, and I'm Cheryl Benton, the founder and publisher of the Three Tomatoes website, and the Three Tomatoes book publishing. And I'm so excited to have you all here today for this celebration before the Oscars. So I think we should sort of think of this as our red carpet celebration for poetry. So this will be great fun. And I'm so excited to be celebrating National Poetry with three of our published poets. And I'm gonna bring them in now. We have Carol Ostro. Hi. Stephanie Sloan and Nicole, uh, Nicole Freezer Rubens, and our fourth poet, uh, Madeline Epstein Steinhardt, who had a wonderful book that she wrote pre pandemic. And by the way, these three ladies all wrote their, um, excuse me, I'm just going to put, put you ladies on mute for a minute because we have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of backup here. So, uh, they all wrote their poetry books during the pandemic, and they were published during the pandemic. Uh, Madeline's book, Put Your Boots On and Dance in the Rain, was written pre-pandemic, um, and she couldn't join us today. But the four of them are the Three Tomatoes Official Poet Laureates. And every month at the Three Tomatoes, you will find, because they've all continued to write poems, you will find some of their latest and newest uh, poetry there each month. So let me introduce them to you officially now. So, And now she's a poet, among other things. Carol Ostro is the author of Poems for My Pandemic Pen. She was named Miss Brooklyn at the age of five. In our book, she still are Miss Brooklyn, that's for sure. She was an actress, a model, and a Las Vegas showgirl before returning to New York City and becoming a, um, a very successful, um, accomplished theatrical producer. She's also president of the Actors Temple, and she has done so much there to help them raise money. Um, and it's such an iconic um, institution. And she's done some wonderful fundraisers that she produces. And she started writing poetry during the pandemic, really to kind of keep herself sane and to keep her friends entertained. And we we're so happy that that turned into a wonderful book. Nicole Freezer Rubens has been writing poetry since she was a little girl. 
And her book, The Long Pause and the Short Breath, is poems and also photos that were written and taken during the lockdown phase of the pandemic. And it really is a love story to New York City. Nicole has worked um, in the uh, art world, and these days she has her own boutique interior design firm. She loves taking photos of New York City. She's a really wonderful photographer. And we made her our official roving photographer at the Three Tomatoes. And every Saturday at the uh, at our in our New York City Three Tomatoes newsletter, you will find some of her um, her stunning photos as she travels all around the city. So we're going to have a really fun conversation today, and we're also going to hear some of their latest poems. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about the role of poetry in our society, because as we all know, poetry has soothed souls for literally centuries, but it does have its moments of gaining popularity and waning popularity. But right now, poetry is actually having a resurgence. Some are actually even calling it a renaissance. And we have more people writing poetry, more people reading poetry. As some people have said, after times of, of difficulty like the world has gone through, people really turn to poetry. And I think a lot of that is what's happening right now. And we've all been so impressed with Amanda Gorman. She was the beautiful young, uh, youngest poet, poet in inaugural history to present at a president's inauguration. And then there are other wonderful young poets like Rupi Kaur, who has published several best-selling books of poetry. And they are both helping to make poetry really cool for a much younger audience, which I'm very happy to hear. And I know we all are here today. And then there's been the growing popularity on Instagram. So it's really becoming a mainstream part of, of our culture again. So now I have a question. So all of you who are on Facebook or if you're on YouTube, you can pop this into the comments. Um, how many of you know who the poet laureate is of the United States? If you know that, leave a little comment. And I'm gonna I'm gonna confess that before we were planning this event, I didn't know the answer to this. But she is the brilliant Joy Harjo. And she was recently appointed for her third year-long term as Poet Laureate of the United States. And she is the first Native American to hold this honor. She is an incredibly impressive woman. If you don't know about her, you don't know her poetry, you must learn more. She recently said, we need something to counter the hate speech, the divisiveness, and it's possible with poetry. She has a beautiful, uh, fairly recent book of poems, a poetry book called An American Sunrise. And I just want to read that particular poem from the book, which is also titled An American Sunrise. 40 years later, and we still want justice. We are still America. We know of the rumors of our demise. We spit them out. They die soon. So anyway, we say hooray and hallelujah for poetry. And now I want to get to our poet laureates. And as I said earlier, what is so wonderful about each one of you is that you continue to write poetry. 
And I'm also very excited that each of you have had some wonderful things that happened after your books got published. And I'm going to start with Stephanie. So I will unmute you. And Stephanie, first of all, let's start with you had this fabulous full page review and feature in the New York Post about you and your poetry. So, so tell us how that happened and some of the other great things that have that are happening with you um, since you published your book. Well, um, I, I, it was actually you, Cheryl, who told me that I should send my book and to some people. And one of those people was the book reviewer of the New York Post. And uh, I didn't rush to send it. And I didn't send to everyone on that list either. Anyway, I did send to her after a while. And um, I didn't hear anything. And then, to my surprise, I got a phone call. Apparently, she had not been in her office where I had sent the book. And uh, she had not been there for a long time because of the pandemic. When she finally did go to her office, she found my book. And she sat down and read it and was moved by it. She said she cried. And uh, she phoned me and then uh, interviewed me on the phone. And a couple of months later, there was this article, which I'm very excited about then and now. And um, it kind of told the story of how I moved because of the pandemic, because of my loss, moved to the Berkshires. And uh, that's where I'm now. And uh, that's where I've continued to write. So, uh, and, and, you've, and you've had some wonderful things happening there too, right? So tell yes. us a little bit about that. Uh, one of the best things that has happened is that I, um, I kept writing poetry and it was getting rather large and I didn't know what to do with it. And someone suggested, uh, writing for a grant. So I did the grant application and I got the grant. And now I am going to be doing a poem play and the play will be live. And as of today, it will also be filmed. And uh, so there are a lot of good things happening. That very, very exciting. You deserve them all. <laughs> I'm excited about them, really. So now I'm going to move over to Carol Ostro. So Carol, you have many very talented um, friends, producing friends in the New York theater. And a couple of them actually came up with the idea of turning your poetry into little videos. And I'm going to play one of these because I think they have been uh, just absolutely delightful. So we're going to. Guilt. Is a Waste of Time by Carol Ostro. In this day of the corona disease, I consume comfort food, if you please. What saves my life, certainly not dietish, is a bagel, tomato, and fresh tuna fish. <laughs> Oozing cheese on buttered bread does more for me than going to bed. This reaction sure does play with my head. I hate the thought of what calories will do, but now who cares? I'm not feeling blue. Martha's cookies called kitchen sink. Put me in a mood you'd call mm, very pink. 
almonds and raisins. Brown sugar now is so much better than well, the average of Dow. My hind quarters are about to grow in size, but wearing pajamas, I do realize that 2020 in my hindsight will be the time of terrible fright, but oh my Lord, I put up a fight. Never forget that weight can be lost, but mental health is worth the cost. Bring on the cake with a buttercream frost. Mm. Does this entice? Will you share a slice? So that is so great, Carol. So, and there's, there's others. So tell us how a little more about these and where you think some of your poetry in motion can go in the future, too. Well, what I'm trying to do, of course, is live through the pandemic like everybody else and just do it by keeping my sanity. And if I can find a little bit of fun in the horror, I will survive a little bit better. And that's what I try to do. Make fun of myself. I mean, self-deprecating, -de certainly. Not anybody else. And um, so there are a lot of poems about weight, about getting fat, about looking in the mirror and seeing not only my mother, but my grandmother and the gray hair. And all of it, I thought, and really it wasn't even my idea. It was my friend Shari Uppen who saw in it something for actors. And so she suggested that we put these videos up. And what I'd like to do, because they are fun, not only, they're, they're not all fun, they are some serious, and I think they'd make very good monologues for actors when they're auditioning. Broadway, off-Broadway, it's all going to come back, and actors need new material, not just the old Broadway show. So maybe they'll use my poems. I'd like to do that. I'd also like to put some of my poetry to music and, and use them as lyrics to songs. So there's a whole future out there that I never in my life ever dreamed of. What fun. I love it. I love it. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us. And now we're going to move over to Nicole. Let me just unmute her bike, Mike. So Nicole, you've had your praises sung since this book came out, both as a poet and a photographer. So let's first talk about some of your photography and some of the exciting things that have happened. Uh, so I was fortunate enough at the beginning of the pandemic to know through social media that certain institutions were asking posters to hashtag their posts, uh, ICP Concerned, COVID Stories NYC, and I continued to do this and was fortunate enough to be selected by the International Center of Photography and the Museum of the City of New York to be included in both of their COVID-related shows that opened as soon as they reopened. This was a tremendous honor for me. These are institutions that I grew up going to. I always went to the um, Museum of the City of New York and their phenomenal dollhouse when I was growing up repeatedly. And uh, International Center of Photography is where I took my very first 
photo class. So, um, so I was very happy about that. And um, I recently also had a photo that was selected by the Soho Photo Gallery for their national competition. It was one of 38 people, so selected. So that was, you know, this is all new territory for me. And, and I just, I'm, I couldn't be happier that something positive came out of the debacle of last year. And it's great. And your photography is, is, is really extraordinary. I mean, you see it through an artist's eye and you get shots that no one else sees. Thank you. Um, and then in terms of, of the book, you've gotten some very high profile praise. For example, you, Katie Kirk's wake up call newsletter and also her website did a whole uh, wonderful review and profile on your book. And then the Midwest Book Review said this is an inherently fascinating read from first page to last, an extraordinary and unreservedly recommended addition to library collections. That's pretty darn cool. And then I'm gonna love you're all gonna love this one because you're all gonna know this person. I'm just gonna play this video. A year ago, March. Yeah, um, the, you know, it became the it became the trademark, of the applauding of the essential workers. Uh, my girlfriend has actually written a book of poetry. She mm. was one of the featured families that you kept seeing over and over and over again on the nightly news. My girlfriend uh, Nikki Rubens and her her entire family they would stand on their terrace and applaud because they lived across the street from St. Luke's sure. Roosevelt and and it just became her family became iconic to this and it meant so much yeah, to people working it, around the clock yeah it sure sure did well <laughs> so that's pretty darn that's really great so Nicole tell us about the balcony because your family did become pretty famous applauding yeah. out there we live across the street from a hospital and we have a teeny tiny little Juliet balcony. And obviously we were out there every night at 7 p.m. applauding the essential workers. And coincidentally, we wound up being in um, Spike Lee did a short film during the pandemic, an ode to New York City. We were in that. We were in um, a commercial. We were in um, an NBC special on the pandemic. And then we wound up in People magazine, a still photo of the five of us clapping on our balcony. So, um, you know, it just that that applause was good for everybody else. But it was it was very special to my family. Well, that that is so great. So. Now, before we start talking about your latest poetry, the three of you, and we're going to have some wonderful readings, um, I do want to ask each of you who your favorite poet is and why. And we're going to start with Stephanie. Um, I would say uh, that my favorite poet, um, hmm, I have to think about it. Um, there is a place right near me uh, called Steepletop, where Edna St. Vincent Millay lived. And um, I'm planning to visit it soon. I don't think it's been open yet. Um, and I would say Edna St. Vincent Millay is my favorite poet, although I do have a lot of them. 
Um, and the thing that really appeals to me about her is um, one, her economy of words. She seems to be able to say uh, what she's feeling in, in a few words, and I aim for that as well. And um, also, I like her observations. They're not the usual observations. What she observes, what she comments on, uh, seems a little bit different from everyday observations. So I, I like her for that reason. That is great. And Carol, what about you? Actually, if I may, I have perhaps three that really have, have enlightened me with the use and the beauty of language and words. And the first, really, when I was about 10 years old, I started studying acting, and it was Shakespeare. That was one of our assignments. And I found all the world's a stage. And I thought that was so magnificent because 600 years ago, things have not changed. And they have stayed the way Shakespeare observed and expressed. It's the same today, which amazes me. And then I fell in love with Robert Browning and how he expressed himself and the beauty in the world and the beauty of his words and how he said, and when I found him, I wasn't old, but he said, grow along with me, the best is yet to be. And that really got me thinking how beautiful words can be. And the other, who is really my modern day favorite poet, is someone you wouldn't expect probably, is Stephen Sondheim. His lyrics are, in every sense of the word, pure poetry. When you listen to his songs in any of his shows, Gypsy, uh, Follies, Company, each song is a story unto itself. And you almost don't need dialogue. You just have to listen to his songs and each character is expressed through that. And, and they all have inspired me with the use of words. I only wish I could write as well as they, but I'm learning every day. Well, those are great choices. And let me unmute Nicole. Tell us your favorites. Oh, wait a minute, I didn't unmute I got you, it. Why not? Oh, okay, me. we're good. <laughs> um, I have got to credit two of my favorite professors in college, um, Sharon Olds and Frank Bedart. They are both Nobel Prize winner, winning poets, um, and they've both been teaching since before they taught me, still teaching. They are confessional poets who write from the personal perspective they covered taboo topics long before they were less taboo. And they really encouraged me to write what I know and be fearless and basically put the art ahead of any pride or shame. So to this day, I go back to their work all the time. Well, they taught you well, so I'm sure they're very, they're very proud of the job they better did. than I am. They did there, that's for sure. So now I'm going to move back over um, to Stephanie because you're going to read us a couple of your uh, of your latest poems. Okay, but I do have to confess, the very first poem is not new. Uh, it's something I newly found after uh, closing up an apartment to move here. I found something on a scrap of paper, still have it, that uh, I wrote five or six years ago. 
the first time I left the Berkshires. So it's called On Leaving. Why must I leave? Where shall I start? Yes, history is here, and memories too numerous to name. Here is the life and lives of those who came before and after, and beauty, always beauty. But there's more to life than memory and beauty. What of adventure and new experience? Without them, life will be stagnant and still. So yes, I must leave with memory and beauty always in my heart. And the other is new, the penny. We all know those pennies come from you and love finding them when least expected. In the most improbable places, like today's most stressful morning, dealing with bureaucracy, armed with documents in case, driving in unknown territory in snow, coming home at last to find one in a place I had seen so many times today. It hadn't been there before, feeling you watching over me once again. That, that's very beautiful, Stephanie. Really, that's, that's wonderful. So when, how would you say that right now your poetry has, has evolved? Because since you published your book, and I know that you're writing that poetry book during the pandemic, helped you to deal with your own grief. And how is poetry helping you now? Um, it's helping express all of the feelings that I'm feeling, um, as the book did at the time. Um, I continue to write. Now I don't write every day. I write when something moves me. And I'm, I'm attempting to not only chronicle how I'm feeling in my new home, but what's going on around me, um, what's happening in the world, and, and kind of documenting all of that as well. Yeah, and you can hear that because your your initial poems were more inward on your inward feelings, and now we see you looking outwards, and we can we can see and feel that evolution. And you know, I wanted to um, I wanted to mention something else too because it was interesting. Uh, Carol Ostro had told us about a wonderful, very interesting new book coming out in May for all of you poetry lovers, and it's called Poetry RX how poetry can heal and bring joy into your life. And it's, and it's by a very renowned psychiatrist. His name is Norman Rosenthal. And he features 50 inspiring poems in the book and how they bring, how they bring joy and how they move people. And in that is actually a poem by one of my favorite poets, who is Robert Frost. And he, has in, he talks about stopping by the woods. And we were talking uh, when we were getting together and putting this event together, we were talking about when we were kids, and I'm sure most of you joining us tonight, you probably remember that time in school when you first discovered poetry, when a teacher made you either memorize a poem or get up in front of the class and read a poem. And probably a lot of us still remember that first poem. And mine happened to be the Robert Frost one. And I hope they're still doing that with kids in school today, because I think that really taught a lot of us an appreciation 
appreciation and, and a love for poetry. So now I'm going to move over to Carol. And Carol, you went from being someone who really only started writing poetry during the pandemic, and now you can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> so I am what, compelled. What has poetry done for you in your life, and and how do you think your poems are evolving? And then you can read a couple of your new poems for us. Poetry has done a great deal for me. It really has because stuck here in my apartment, not seeing anyone, not being touched, not being talked to in person and not producing show. And I love bringing beauty into the world. And how was I going to survive? I had my two little pussy cats, and I could hug and kiss them. And that was a wonderful thing and kept me sane. But poetry really, really helped me to be in the moment and to not take life so seriously, even though that deadly pandemic was outside my window, waiting to kill me and everybody else. And somehow, by expressing myself through the poetry, rather than just being stuck on Hulu and Netflix, whereas I was obsessed with producing and, and uh, show business and going to the opera and the ballet. But this really somehow reached inside of me where I could bubble up and express my feelings and share them with my friends. And that became my lifesaver. And I'm so grateful to the poets in this world. I can't compare myself to any of them, nor to the other beautiful women that I'm sharing the, the screen with today. They are sensational. I didn't try to be different. I didn't try to capture a style. It's all my own. And it, it, it's what I want to share, my innermost fears and also what I think is funny. And miraculously enough, my friends thought it was funny too. And they encouraged me and, and said, Carol, you must get this published. And I thought, really? I mean, someone else is laughing besides me. And they said, yes. So it's, it's been a ride. It's been a thrill. And now I'm, I'm enjoying it even more because I'm not compelled to write. I'm, I'm inspired by writing and inspired by those around me. So there is a difference and I think I've evolved. I hope I've evolved. I hope that by continuing to write, I will capture more of what I wish to express. Does that answer your question? Where is everybody? It does. So anyway. I was just going to tell you to read. I think you have a couple of poems you're going to read. So. Okay, I'm going to start right yes. now. Great. And this one. Spring. If spring was a piece of candy, I would feast on its taste. Not a drop or a morsel would I consider to waste. What a joy to feel the warmth, the kiss of the sun, with longer days enjoyed as if the lottery was won by a woman so happy to chase away the gray of winter's cold breath, easily forgotten for today. So many books written with recipes for happiness when it is so simple, like a breeze that will caress an exposed part of the skin beneath a colorful cotton dress. 
the longed-for seasons change, the azaleas in bloom, the entire world looking up instead of an hour on Zoom, the thought of nature coming alive, bursting out of a cocoon. These are just some of the ingredients to use to come out of our shells into our lives to diffuse a shocking, out-of-control year we've all lived through with vaccines, Broadway, culture to resume. Grab it, enjoy it, fully consume every single minute as a gift, you may assume, will serve you well as that yearned-for dessert. And go with a mask to that fabulous concert. You deserve all there is to give and to get. Please remember, never ever forget, life must be lived without a single regret. Well, at least for today. That that is so beautiful. I love that poem, and I love the hope that it that it expresses. So, Nicole, let me move over to you again, and I will unmute you. Um, your your poetry and photos in in your book really captured the essence of New York City and what we were all going through. But even in those darkest days of lockdown, you still managed to find moments of, of beauty and hope and which was something I really appreciated when I read and saw everything that you have done and your photos and poems today still keep to a large part New York City as its theme you are like it's such a continuing love story to New York so and your your uh, your book of poems during the pandemic, you actually stopped writing those on the last day of the lockdown. So tell us now how your poetry has evolved from those dark days. I would say that during lockdown, I had to write. Um, I found that it was a means of crisis control. It was a coping mechanism. And after I realized that I was starting to put together a body of work, I wanted to, I realized that this was a way I could contribute. I mean, some people were medical people, some people were essential workers distributing food, and this was something that I could do safely from home. So I wrote more constantly than I have ever written in my life, every few days, like Stephanie. I wrote, the poems went by dates, um, and it helped me, and hopefully long-term will be a chronicle of what occurred. Um, and now that we're back to the light at the end of the tunnel getting closer to us, I would say I'm my writing has gone back to what it always has been, which is a more leisurely activity that I write when I feel something and when I when I need to say something or have something to say, there's less of an urgency and the parameters are just bigger. So for me, in some ways, uh, the evolution is a return to how I've always utilized poetry in my life. And I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I love it. And you said something so important too, that, you know, and each one of you did this with your books that you wrote to the pen, through the pandemic. You really have left something that I think is gonna be very important when we look back on it and we look back on it historically and people are gonna be looking at what happened during this time and each of your books that you wrote during this time frame, I think are going to be an important part of that history. So moving past that, I know you have one of your wonderful new poems you're going to share with us now, right? 
Okay. Uh, so this is one of the first poems I wrote after the pandemic that has an actual title and not a date for a title. It's from September. It's called My Desk is a Chaise. Back in the early 80s, my mother and stepfather bought this curvy armless cloud and placed it in their bedroom facing their Sony Trinitron color TV. It was my mother's favorite spot. It was her boat and on it she sailed everywhere the primetime lineup, financial news network or her paperback would take her. Later in another apartment where she was widowed, this daybed propped her up and supported her, repaired her frozen shoulder and her essence. The programming and the publishing were only getting better with more and more channels sprouting through the cable box to bolster her up. The original fabric finally gave all it could and she decided to recover it. I do not remember precisely what the old material looked like. It may have been a paisley. She knew exactly what she wanted, a printed velvet, soft but durable. She took me with her to the D&D building. We could go in as trade as my stepfather's architectural LLC lived on briefly after his demise. This was my entree into the design showrooms. I was a newly grown kid in a candy store yet to figure out that I would need to have my own business decorating people's sanctuaries, adorning vacant rooms with tactile fabrics and hammered brass. Together we flipped through rack after rack of fabrics. Printed velvets were not as popular at the time as like they are now. She found one I didn't love at first, but now I see it is almost perfect and it has endured without a single hole for over 20 years. Not only did the upholsterer recover it, he rebuilt the inside so that the seat was strong and sturdy again. She cruised on that chaise for almost another decade. After she died, I moved the piece into my own bedroom. Although I had a desk from where I could run my firm, I always wound up working seated on the, her chaise. It is time to shop for another gray printed velvet and call Ramon my upholsterer. The springs need a boost and that fabric that is a constant reminder of the day my mom introduced me to the D&D building because she knew it is where I should be is fading. This is how non-pushy mothers push their daughters to sail on through. I love that poem. That is really, really beautiful. And we're going to hear more from you in a minute, too. And now we're going to move back to Stephanie, uh, who has a couple of more poems for us. And I don't know if you want to do a little intro to these or just let them speak for themselves. Um. I think they can speak for themselves. They are what has been going on in my life uh, since since I'm here. So the first one is called Instinct Instincts. I have finally learned to trust my instincts. It's when my head gets involved that there's trouble. My instincts tell me that I need to be alone right now. I hope they will lead me out of my loneliness when it's time. And emerging. The stranglehold of sadness has loosened. I made it through the winter. From cold, snowy, icy, and bleak to warmth, sunshine, and robins. From dark and lonely to light and connections old and new. The familiar feeling of happiness. 
Beautiful. I love that. And I love the evolution. It's so great to hear those messages of, of hope continuing. And I love that poem about instincts. I think that's, um, that's such an important message and one that we often don't really learn until we get older. <laughs> and we think we wish we knew that lesson when we were younger, right? <laughs> I think we have to be reminded of it. It's something that can get lost in the shuffle. And exactly. Exactly. To myself to trust my instincts. Great message. They usually uh, are good. That they're what brought me here, and that has been a good thing for me. Absolutely. So now we're going to uh, move back to Carol. And Carol, you have a um, another poem that you're going to read for us. Do you, do you want to intro it or just? Well, I speak to it. I will. I'll intro it a little. Excuse me. <clears throat> I seem to be obsessed with getting fat. <laughs> so this one is you have to live your life to the fullest. Why, oh, why are my pants fitting so tight? I woke up this morning feeling ever so slight, not having eaten a thing late last night. Why, I even denied myself that cheesecake delight. Not a morsel, not a taste, not a single bite for dessert. After so little that I consumed at the table, I tell you it's enough to make me unstable. Do I have to consider running from midnight to noon or pedal my bike halfway to the moon to use up calories that I barely consume? Well, yes, I'm afraid that is the truth of food and the way it is used, but please do not brood. So, in fact, just look at it this way. I promise you won't have to groan to display your body in a mirror, turn only halfway. For heaven's sake, you've lived this long. Remember, a starving bird sings no song. Go ahead, indulge. Don't be so strong. You can eat without feeling terribly wrong. Take it from me. What I've learned this fall, just get a new pair of pants, slightly bigger. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a message I'm sure a lot of people listening to that are really laughing and relating to right now. I think our relationship <laughs> with food, all of us, in the, Obsession. In the last several months definitely changed. And it certainly was something that brought us a lot of us comfort and joy, too, which food should do. So oh, thank yeah. you. We'll just buy a bigger pair of pants and still look fabulous. So. Problem solved. <laughs> exactly. So now, Nicole, we're going to move back to Nicole. And I know you have another another poem, too. I do. Uh, so I, I kind of went back to dating my, titling my work with dates because I still feel that until this pandemic's over, I want to record what's going on in the world. So this is January 14th, 2021. Last night we had a girls' night out dinner. It was the first time in a year that seven out of eight of us gathered together outdoors in the cold suburban January night air, forming a ring of old friends spread out around an imperfectly elegant campfire. We were our own holiday wreath, 
adorned in winter boots and pottery barn faux fur blankets kept up a bit longer than usual this year. No propane, no on-off switch, simply logs and twigs working hard to keep us warm. Those of us anchored to the city took Metro North to the reunion, chatting on the emptyish train through double masks. I had not been on a commuter rail yet during the pandemic. I wish the sunset over the Hudson had been a little bit more dramatic. While the House voted to impeach again, we fanned the crackling tangerine flames and ate cold margarita pizza and greasy garlic knots. We discussed the challenge of getting our parents vaccinated. I was not cold at all. The sound of the small but mighty blaze and the distinct smell of smoke followed me home in every fiber. These friends of mine are in there too and always will be. My hair still smells like s'mores and I do not want to wash that away. I love that poem too, because it so brings home those first moments that we have that we have all felt recently, only recently, of reconnecting live and in person with friends. And I had a chance to do that recently too. And there's just nothing Absolutely. that captures that experience right now. And things that we took so for granted of meeting with friends and having lunch have taken on such an important just a, so much more important meaning in our lives. And you, your poem captures those feelings so well. I just, I, I just really love that. And I know we have, we do have time for one more poem for each of you. Well, Stephanie, you can do two because you write brief poems. And, um, but I do also want to say that this is another exciting thing that's happening for, uh, for our poets, our, uh, three Tomatoes Poet Laureates, all four of them have actually been invited to um, do readings at the New York 10th Annual New York Poetry Festival, which will take place in July on Governor's Island. They'll all be there except Stephanie because she's going to still be vacationing in the in the Berkshires. But Carol Ostro will be there. Nicole uh, Rubens will be there. And Madeline Epstein Steinhardt will be there, and she actually helped create that opportunity for us. So that is actually going to be a fun event. And as soon as we know the exact day and time slot, we'll let all of our poetry loving friends know, and we'll, we hope you'll join us on Governor's Island. So now we're going to come back, Stephanie. I you're up with um, with um, a couple of more poems. Okay. Um. Once again, the dates are important, so I'll read them along with the poems. Uh, the first one is February 14th, 2021, The Question. An online author asks the question, what needs to be said? Words form slowly. Words not previously spoken, nor considered not even thought. I don't want to be alone. February 22nd, 2021. The universe. Thoughts expressed, words spoken, thrown out there, boomeranged back to me. The universe heard and responded. You look like the proverbial mouse, a cat that swallowed the mouse. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's more more poems coming on that topic. There are. The, the funny thing about those is that they were not written. They were written a week apart, and other poems came in between. But I kind of like the way they bookend each other. Yes, they do. Yes, they do, and they leave a little mystery there. We want to hear more of that story and your poetry to come. Sure, you will. <laughs> and Nicole, we're gonna we're gonna move back to you. Um, for one last poem. Okay. Uh, so this is March 25th, 2021, which coincidentally is exactly one year to the day of the first poem from my book. So one year later. So it's finally my turn to get the vaccine. I waited while so many around me got a dose of freedom frustrated but thankful that I did not qualify with a comorbidity or a limited projected lifespan ahead. The best vaccine is the first one you can get. I heard that on the five o'clock news. I'm getting Pfizer, a classic original. Saturday is the first night of Passover, a rite of spring and renewal. I remember last Passover so early on in lockdown, Masks were newly mandated, and it was the first and last day I put on a dress in the last year to attend my family's novel Zoom grid Seder. This year, some kin can travel to Rochester, reunite and gather together around my mother-in-law Linda's oval oak table draped in lace with a covered stack of matzah, a bowl of crushed apple haroset supporting a polished silver spoon, and deep purple Manischewitz wine, all symbolizing enslavement. They are the older and essential workers who are thankfully fully protected from their early shots. We cannot join them until I am injected with the magic that will keep me from getting and spreading COVID. I bought our matzah and the gluten-free matzah for Lexi, and then over 50 opened up and I got my vaccine appointment for Saturday at the Javits Center at 6.30 p.m. smack in the middle of the Seder. The National Guard will guide me through the glass complex on the Hudson River we will reschedule the festivity of the miracle of the enslaved Israelites escaping bondage by walking through imposing walls of water in the Red Sea. Elijah will wait outside our door this year until I get home with a Band-Aid on my arm and my souvenir paper vaccine card. I will celebrate the miracle of modern science by rolling up my sleeve in a convention center. Hallelujah. That's probably the best poem ever written about vaccines, which <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just shows poetry comes from everything and everywhere. I just, I love that. Thank you so much, Nicole. And we're going to move um, back over to Carol for our last poem. And I actually asked her to, uh, to read hers last. And I think you'll, you'll, you'll see why when you hear it. Thank you so much. It's titled, I See Changes. Was the year 2020 the best or the worst? Did it turn into a blessing or were we severely cursed? These are our questions in retrospect. Whatever the answers we must respect, as so many have suffered with disease and pain. From this reality, there must be some hope to gain. I would like to repeat an old song's refrain. Let's now walk on the sunny side of the street. 
We came through this horror braver and strong. We will not judge the choices, right or wrong, that we had to make to survive. There was a short time I could barely revive from the sad news, the politics all day long, feeling as though I did not belong in this terrified upside down country I call home, where many lived and suffered entirely alone. Then today, I saw a sign of spring in the air. The breeze was gentle. The, the day felt warm and fair. Even had a good morning with my freshly washed hair. I almost felt that I would not care if I did something forbidden and could actually dare to eat inside a restaurant, my mask placed on a chair. These days of fear will be over soon. Life will surely be back to resume. But what lessons have we learned that are not to be lost? These very lessons came with a too high cost to be forgotten by next winter's inevitable frost. Remember, continue to love, to be generous and kind to give our time and never be blind to the fact that life has twists that will be turned into events you never thought you were owed or earned. You get what you get, something definitely learned. The lesson here, I want that candle completely burned. This is the beginning of the end. Well done. What a great, that's such a great message to end on. Thank you so much, Thank you. Carol. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Stephanie. Maddie's at a wedding. Hopefully she'll listen. We missed you here tonight. But I just want to say how special each one of you are, really. You're, you're, you're really special to me, but the fact that you're sharing your your incredible energy and your innate goodness and your talent and you're just helping all of us right now so thank you and thank you to all of you who joined us today we